Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we sit down with local Nashville pastor of View Church, George Stoll, and we discuss the difference between transformational versus transactional spirituality and why it matters in the way our small groups are designed to help heal and truly change people's lives for the better. So without further ado, here is episode 12. All right. Well, welcome back to the Restore Small Groups podcast. Today, we are sitting down with a special guest. Sarah um, is going to be out for these next couple of episodes, but we are excited to be covering um, some new content. And today, we have a special guest, George Stoll of View Church. And George, um, you actually had Scott come. You you guys have known each other for a long time, but you had Scott come and speak at your church in what you guys call a Circle Sunday over at View Church over in Bellevue at Gower Elementary. And I thought I would just um, let you lead off and talk a little bit about, number one, why you wanted Scott to come and talk about that, and then let Scott um, cover what he talked about in that service that day. It's a very, very powerful thing, as the topic of this episode is the difference between transformational uh, versus transactional faith. So, George, why don't you um, go ahead? Well, the reason I wanted to invite Scott, because he's a mentor in my life and has taught me so much about what transformation looks like in in a small group experience, in a group experience. And so um, I, we decided a long time ago that if, you know, how we're going to do groups, um, we're, you know, we were learning from Restore and they were teaching us a process and what this looks like to create safe, sacred space for people to maybe for the first time mm-hmm. be more honest about places of brokenness and healing in their lives and uh, what that might look like when you circle up in a room and what it feels like to be listened to without mm-hmm. trying to be fixed. And, and so uh, I've just learned so much from Scott over the years and Sarah mm-hmm. and um, Restore and how to do this. So we just decided that uh, we're going to let Restore teach us how to do small groups, and that's mm-hmm. going to kind of be the foundation of how we do all of our groups at View Church. And so um, another thing that Scott and I like fully align on is um, the difference between transformational and transactional uh, spirituality mm-hmm. and faith. And so um, uh, transactional is this. It's that, you know, somehow we uh, all have been created by this angry deity, this angry God, mm-hmm. and that the work of the cross is, you know, uh, because of what Jesus does, now this God can love us. Mm. And that's transactional, um, a transactional way of understanding our faith, a transformational way of understanding our faith that the work of the cross was actually for humanity mm. to see that God has always loved us and that there is this sacrificial love that is being poured out into our lives so that we might find healing and health and well-being. And so... Um, those are two different ways to, to see. Right. And so Scott and I have had long conversations about that, and um, we just think a transformational way of understanding this loving being that is wanting to heal our lives and giving us safe space mm-hmm. to be honest for the first time is a far better way to live and to be human. Mm-hmm. Scott? Yeah, I mean, it's my f- journey of faith, I, you know, I went to... Ch- I, as I've talked to you guys before, I walked to Lyndon Luther when I was a little boy in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, just really curious and just drawn for whatever reason. 
plus they had basketball court, you know. <laughs> but yeah, but it was um, this search, and then I became an adult, um, and then sorry, started going to the church as a grown up. And um, but what I realized is that um, in my early adult years and in the majority of my adult life, um, when I would go to church, I my ego went. Mm. And I wanted to look good. I wanted to be good. Um, and I was seeking something from the church mm -hmm. and from the experience. Um, and it really was about using church and God as a means to the end that I, I wanted. Mm -hmm. So it, it was all about me. Mm -hmm. And then I get humbled by my life-controlling issues and my addictions, and I end up in recovery. And it was in the community of recovering people that I really experienced the grace of Christ mm. um, because you leave your ego at the door. Mm. I mean, you introduce yourself, hi, I'm Scott, I'm recovering, you know. Mm. And, um, and, I, and it's interesting, I just thought about that. For years I had Christians say, I don't like that. That's not who you are. Mm. And that's not what it's, I'm not saying that's who I am. I'm, but what I am saying is, that's a place of humility. Mm. I have this struggle. Mm. This is who I am. This is where I've been. Um, this is where I'm going. And it is all by the grace of Christ. Which is interesting. If you ever go to an AASA, NA meeting, you'll hear a lot of people, say, when they do the introductions, hi, I'm Scott. I'm a recovering you know, addict. Grace, uh, sober today mm. by the grace of Christ. Mm. And, and so to me, transformation is... It's, it's humility. Mm. It is the most humble place that you can be. And what I, I actually was working on this on my new book this weekend that I, I realized that grace, Dr. Gerald May said that grace is the most powerful force in the universe. Mm. And that's how he, he talks about this journey of transformation from all of us have attachments, addictions, and struggles. Mm. And then... Um, he says at the end, you know, when we finally say yes to that invitation to just come home, I think grace is that invitation to come home to your true, authentic self. Mm. Um, Richard Rohr was talking about this uh, this week, actually, that this message that, you know, we all are inherently sinful mm. and we, you know, so we're starting from bad. Right. He says it's really hard to ever get back. As a matter of fact, he says it's impossible to go from bad to good. Mm. But if you start from good, mm. This is this is in your inherent. This is who you are. No matter how far away you may drift, mm -hmm. you can get back to good. And I think grace is that invitation. And to be, you know, it's it's a prodigal son, mm -hmm. the one who ran away, threw it all away. That message is so powerful because remember the the older brother, the elderly brother who did everything right. Mm -hmm. He's like, he don't like this. Right. Yeah. And the younger brother just comes back. He goes, even if my dad lets me eat what the pigs eat, you know, remember yeah. how he said that? It's, yeah. it's like, I'm going home. Mm. His dad's like, to his older brother, look, your younger brother was lost. Mm. But now he's found. And so you realize that grace is this invitation that meets us where we are. Mm. Where I'm, as Dr. Kurt Thompson says, there's no greater need for any human being to be fully known. Mm. And that grace then, to me, is an exemplary cause. It is the North Star. It pulls me my whole life mm -hmm. towards it. But the other force 
that is at work. And when I think about transactional is shame. Mm. And I realized this weekend that shame is the loudest voice in my life. Because mm. it shouts from intimidation with threats of exposure. Mm. You will be rejected. Mm. Mm. And so, to me, transformation is all lined up for us in the Beatitudes. Mm. And when the very first Beatitude just kind of sets the whole thing in place. Mm. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's the first Beatitude that Jesus says. I'm making it clear to you. When you come to the end of yourself, whatever that is, it humbles you. Mm. And, you and you realize I'm standing here with an invitation. So, um, and there's nothing about the ego anymore. Mm. I'm fully known. As long as I'm afraid mm. for you to know the truth about my weaknesses and my flaws, they'll never be redeemed. Mm. And I will continue to live in the shadows. Mm. But grace is a light mm. that shines into my shadows and pull me out. And I just think that um, we can learn a lot from the recovery community mm. about that type of spirituality because it's all about transformation. Mm. Um, and we're not seeking anything other than to be set free. Mm. That's beautiful. And something that I was going to ask you, George, is we were talking about this in a service earlier where <clears throat> you've always heard the term, the church is a hospital, right? And I think that that's a good, that's a good metaphor, but it's, you don't stay in the hospital, number one. And number two, um, the, the reason why the hospital works is because you have to admit that you have to drive yourself there. I mean, that's the whole reason why you have to say, hey, I'm so sick that I need to go to the hospital. And I think that when it's, you know, transactional, um, oftentimes, um, you know, George, I was going to ask you as a pastor, and you've been a pastor for a long time, you've been in church for a long time. Um, when you're in that transactional model, um, you feel like you can't admit that you're sick in a weird way. It's almost like being, like you were saying, showing up in a certain way that's got everything together. Um, can you talk a bit about that? Like how, do, how, how, how does that show up in church? And then what are you um, hoping and yearning um, to, to start to explore at View Church, how that could be different and how it could be more transformational I mean, and transactional? It starts with how we understand God's posture toward us. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what Scott is saying. Um, you know, the, the greatest example of the nature of God is uh, revealed to us through Jesus and how he talks about the prodigal son mm-hmm. and how the father, you know, responds to that. And I love you bringing that up, Scott, because I think one of the most compelling things to me in that story is how the father responds to his son's return mm-hmm. of coming back home. Because, you know... I. I heard a line out of a song. It, it was, um, I thought you'd be waiting up ahead, but you came back down the road for me instead. Mm-hmm. And that's actually in the text. This father, he sees his son coming, his heart bursting. Mm-hmm. He runs out to meet him. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely different understanding of how Father God responds to our shame or our brokenness. And so this father, and, and um, in the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson says that the son begins to confess to tell his father how sinful he is. Mm. And uh, God 
he responds in this way. Um, Eugene Peterson says he wasn't even listening. Mm. <laughs> he just had his arms wide open to mm. embrace his son's return. So he wouldn't even listen to his son's, wow. you know, confession of, of the sinful things that he'd done. Wow. And I think that is a better understanding of God's disposition toward us. So transformational and transactional is that we're not trying to earn God's love. You can't earn something that you already have Mm. and possess. And so transformation happens when our hearts open up to God's already loving us. Mm. And um, he's not waiting for me to get better or fixed. Um, And this is where the power of uh, uh, groups come in Mm. and what Restore does because... I can have a notion of that. I can open my heart to the understanding that that's possible. God right. could be that loving. Right. Um, but I think we need Jesus with flesh and blood, you know, yeah. Jesus with skin on, people in the room mm. that can listen with love to our struggle, yeah. um, our brokenness, and what we experience from them mm. is love mm. and grace. And it just affirms more and more. This is possible. Mm. Like, there can be a divine loving being. There are human beings that can reflect this mm. and who are made in God's image that can teach us that this is true. And so uh, that's the difference for me in what transformational and transactional looks like. It's actually how I believe God's disposition is toward my brokenness. Mm. And Scott, before I met you, 10 years before I met you, I had a counselor friend <clears throat> that told me when they're helping someone recover, and when they are wanting to bring healing into their lives, that this counselor was honest with me and said, we don't send them to the church or to a pastor mm. because our experience has been the pastors tried to fix them. And it, it really broke my heart mm. that I had a counselor friend that was telling me, I wouldn't even send someone that is in recovery to you. Right. And, um, but this person also told me, what you need to do, you want to be a good pastor? You need to go out and sit in an AA meeting. Mm. And I thought they were crazy, mm. but I listened to them. And I went out to uh, my first AA meeting in my mid-30s, and I watched no one trying to fix anyone. I felt this authenticity that I often did not experience in Mm. church gatherings. And then I experienced this grace and love come into the room. Mm. And I remember leaving that AA meeting going, I want to see more of this in a a church community because... This is transformation. Yeah. I left just in tears. Mm. And it wasn't something was worked up. It wasn't that something was being done from others for others outside of people listening with love and grace to each other and people being as vulnerable as they can possibly be and there being this palpable sense mm. that God was with us all in it. It was so beautiful and mm. it transformed um, the way I see faith and spirituality for me. Mm. It's a major paradigm shift. It's shift from what I was taught, which is you borrow your wholeness, right? It's like that's that transactional side to where <clears throat> you borrow it, but you're still pretty bad. Like there's still things that are, and then you need to start cleaning your life up. And I think that when you move into that transformation where, and it's really hard for us to accept because of our shame and our, our stories and our ego to start with wholeness, that's a whole different ball game. See, I think this is really key. Wherever the ego is still intact, hmm. I'm going to hide Shame, I think, attacks through the ego Mm. because the ego wants to be in control. Mm. I wrote down that um, I don't have very many original quotes, but (laughs) these are a couple. But years ago I realized, I said that um, grace 
has the greatest potential to transform our lives where it meets our truth. Mm. And that's what, as George was talking about earlier, Dr. Thompson says in Anatomy of Soul that the greatest place for being fully known mm. is in community. Mm. And Brene Brown even talks about that. Wherever those groups are meeting, wherever the places are, she, she's just like, run to them, yeah. find them. Yeah. It'll transform your life. Um, and that's, you know, I can go to church every second it's open. Right. And you'll never know me. Mm. You'll never know me. And I'll, and I'll, yeah, but I go to a group and here's my story. Mm. Here's where I am. And the other one is, and this is kind of the formula uh, that I found for transformation and it's still, I'm still working it today. It's our truth plus consistency plus time plus grace mm. equals transformation. Mm. And in truth and consistency, are I keep showing up to those places where I, I have an opportunity to be known. You know what, friends? I slipped this week. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm. Tell us what happened. Mm. Where were you? What was going on? How can we support you in that? Mm. Versus fear that if I tell you what I struggled with, yeah. you'll reject me. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, I think our society with social media and just everything that it is, it is transactional. Yeah. You do this, you get this. Mm. Either way. Um, and so, I don't know. I think, we, I think shame has become systemic in our mm. society. Um, it is a transactional society. It's consumerism. It's driven. Mm. Um, and I don't know if we ever will truly understand the power of grace mm. and just what it means. And I think the longer that I live and as flawed as I am, you know, I was thinking, I was reflecting on that just this week again. If you go back and look at some things Paul said, they're pretty remarkable. Mm. You know, he, would, he begged them to remove his thorn. Mm. He wouldn't. He says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. And then what Paul says, well, I'm going to boast about anything from now on. Mm. It's my weaknesses because mm. that's when I'm really strong. And then that one where he says, um, that which I want to do, I don't do. Mm. And that which I don't want to do, that is what I do. And how does that, what's it going from there? They say, woe to me. And, but he's grateful that there's grace. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love that in, in our brokenness that love is the safest place to, grace is the safest place to actually bring that mm. to, to light. Um, and Scott, that's another thing that, you know, I've learned in restore groups is that what truly you talk about intrinsic motivation a lot and, um, somehow, Faith cultures have a way of thinking that the way you do that is you shame people. Mm. You know that you you know you find the worst, the brokenness, and then you tell them how wrong that is. Now, um, I think sin for me now has become this thing. This is the way I would describe it. It is um, it's it's the elimination of peace in mm -hmm. our lives. It's the thing that robs us of shalom and wholeness and well being. And so sin is something that 
we need to pay attention to, yeah. you know, because we all want to live more fully. We all want to be have more well-being. Yeah. But uh, the only place to truly bring that where transformation can really happen and where I can be intrinsically motivated is in a place where I know I'm loved mm. and where grace isn't shaming me more, but it's offering help. And um, so uh, I think that's what Paul is reflecting on. He, he keeps coming back to it's, it's grace and peace that, that, that gets him through. Mm. And um, how, you've, how you discover that is, I think, you, 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 need other, you need people with flesh and blood to show you what that, what that looks like. Mm. That's beautiful. I think that just this week um, I've settled into the depth of transformation, what it is. And um, it's that I'm not afraid anymore. Mm. If, you know, here I am, this is me, with all my warts and flaws and mistakes and baggage, this is me. And I'm not afraid. Mm. As long, and I tell you, I just believe this for me, Whenever I'm feeling fear, my ego has come back mm. and it wants to control. Mm. And what it's afraid of is if I'm exposed, you will leave me. You will reject me. And how many of us know that feeling of doing things and struggling with things that we really don't want to do, like Paul is saying, mm. but we do them. Mm. And if there's any kind of system set up where you can't do those things. If you do them, then you're shamed. You're punished. Mm. And, I mean, I remember going back, the first thing I remember in my life being afraid of was a grade card, mm. you know. And if you got bad grades, you were mm. yeah. you were shamed. If you got good grades, mm -hmm. you were rewarded. Um, and it's just, I was an athlete in the 60s and 70s and, Tell coaches, coach, then you were rewarded if you did well, and mm. if you did bad, you were shamed, humiliated, mm. even. And uh, so um, I, I wrote down last night that there's three things that have hindered me from living life that Christ wanted me to live. Um, and those are the three things that a kenosis that, that, that I got to empty out. Number one is fear. Mm. Fear of, of, of any form of rejection. Mm. If I lose everything, if you all turn your back on me and say, you're not, you know, I still got him. Mm. And the second is um, lust, mm. which is a coping mechanism that I learned as a little boy. Mm. Um, and it destroys love. Mm. Um, and, and it's, and it's a, just a character defect that, you know, continuing to observe it. Mm. And then the third is shame, toxic shame. Mm. Those three things have hindered me from finding the freedom and the, and the transformed life. I'm telling you, I want it. Mm. Transformation, um, when you were just talking about that, it took me back to high school. And um, I had two distinct, I was a quarterback in high school. I had two distinct experiences with head coaches. Mm. One was uh, a head coach that 
when you made a mistake, he screamed at you. Mm. You knew when you were coming to the sideline, oh, yeah. you were about ready to get your butt chewed out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so angry, like to the point where he didn't even want to talk to you, mm. you know, didn't even want to see like, you know, get over to the bench, mm-hmm. you know. And and then in my senior year, I had a coach that responded much differently. And it was this. Um, when you made a mistake, when you threw an interception, he would call you over, he'd put his arm around you, and he'd say, what were you seeing? What were you thinking? And I found that to be so much more helpful. The one coach experience pushed me away, and I wasn't learning anything. Mm. You know, I knew I'd made a mistake. I already knew that. Um, and the other coach, it was like, let me, let me try to understand what you were seeing, and let's work it out together. Mm. And so those two different ki- types of experience have led to this, and it's a mantra that I now use that it's practice over performance. Mm. One coach, it was all about the performance and wasn't going to help in any way to, to make it better or to improve it except scream at you and make mm. you feel worse. The other one, it was about, no, you're going to learn something. This. We can practice this. We'll work at this together. Yeah. We won't make that same mistake maybe again because mm. we'll see things a little bit differently. And so uh, I think transformational spirituality is always practice over performance. Mm. And transformational, you know, you know, things that are transformational, it pulls us. It, it's it's guiding us. It's pulling us here. Let me lead you, guide you mm. to a better place. And that is driven by the paradigm. Mm. That's why we say Christ is a paradigm. If I'm seeing life and believing life through that lens, I see everything different. Mm. Remember, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Mm. And so, but so that's intrinsic, mm. and in, and that is, I don't have to do this because I'm going to be in trouble. Right. I want to do this, whether I'm in trouble or not. Mm. And the other is shame. Shame pushes you. Mm. It shoves you towards change, mm. and that is extrinsic. Mm. And what do we know about extrinsic motivation? It's pressure. Yeah. And once the pressure is removed, we yeah. go right back. It, it's not sustained. Covey says that only value and principle-driven choices are sustainable. Mm. And that's, if I want to do something, mm. that's why I, I found it so amazing um, that there are parts of my life I feel still shoved. Mm. But when it becomes pull, I respond so differently, mm-hmm. just like you did, as you were explaining to the two different coaches. Those two different coaches are really a good example. That one is a voice of shame and one yeah. is a voice of grace. Because yeah. grace invites us to learn. To, mm. You know, there's a saying, this one uh, sports psychology says, it's all about growth. Mm. It's all about growth. He says, the single most important conversation you will ever have with yourself is what you say to yourself after you've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. You're going to make mistakes. Mm. And... Boy, I've I've had my share of mistakes, and so it's. But if I look back, where have I occurred the most growth? Mm. When I've made a mistake, been embraced in grace, walked through it with other people who know where I am and who I am. Those that's that's when I find the freedom. Mm. That's when I make movement. Yeah, and to close out, it seems like. We're seeing the same thing at Restore and View Church where it's, it, we need to have that identity in God, but we, we have to have others. We can't be alone. And, you know, we're trying to really create a paradigm shift where that's the identity of View Church. That's the identity of Restore. So um, maybe, George, do you want to close out and talk about 
you know, kind of your hope for what that would look like as as a church to really be able to show up as you are, maybe have differing opinions, um, come from different aspects of your life. It's not about everybody following the same mold. It's just about a place, one safe space that you can come in and say, I don't have the answers, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm here and I want to be transformed through, um, being with others versus it just being this solo journey towards God. And I know that I'm a, I'm a self-professed, um, self-isolator studier. So I've done a lot of self-help stuff, but it wasn't until I got around group and other people that really things started to change for me. So can you talk about that just to close out just that healing power of being in a group and why it matters so much? I know when someone's experienced grace to the measure that they share it with others. Mm. Um, that's becoming a real clear litmus test for me. And I tend to feel most comfortable, most inspired, like you're saying. It's like shame demotivates, but love is an unbelievable motivator mm. and uh, brings about the right kind of change in people's hearts. And love isn't a, uh, a denial mm. of the broken parts of our lives. You know, um, it doesn't ignore it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't deny those things. But it does give you the most safe and the most powerful place to process them, Mm -hmm. to practice them, to learn, to learn a better way of being human, a better way of of, of living. And so um, I hope for any community, whether it's a small group community, a church community, a, a workplace, that grace is something that, each person is deepening, is yeah. experiencing it in some way, yeah. um, and then is finding ways to share it with others. Because actually, you know, Scott, you said it, uh, or you quoted from someone, but community is the greatest place for grace to be experienced. Mm. And so um, I think any places that we could help grace deepen and people experience community and grace within community, we're helping to, to, to heal the world. Mm. And so, um, and then... Um, you know, if there is someone that's, you know, uh, hurtful to you in some way, like you don't feel like maybe they do shame, maybe they don't give you enough grace, mm. um, uh, you know, I, I probably would begin with, uh, instead of thinking that it's all you, mm. I'd wonder what part of their life they need grace. Mm. Um, because you can't give something that you're not in some measure experiencing yourself. Mm. And so um, I know for me, even when I'm experiencing someone that's not giving me the grace that I deserve, I'm trying to grow in grace in this way. Well, I wonder where, how they're hurting. Mm. I wonder in what way I can not give them back mm. what they're giving me, but in some way can maybe help them get more deeply in touch with grace. Because it really does come down to the fact that we can only give grace in the measure that we're receiving it. Mm. And so... I need that both to be happening in divine ways, but mm. I also need human experiences, human relationships that that model that for me mm. and, and share that with my life. And then I can, I can pour back into other people's lives with grace. So that's, that's, that's our hope. Mm. That's my hope. That's beautiful. Well, guys, thank you so much for sitting down. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and whether you're um, listening from the restore platform, um, they have online groups 
um, all the time that you can go on and sign up for. And George's church is over in Bellevue at Gower Elementary. We'll make sure and put uh, links to both on the bottom. But man, thank you guys. And I know um, both of you personally, and I know the three of us, as jo- as George likes to joke, smoke what we're selling. But when we're off the mic, we talk about this. Uh, this is what we live. And um, we hope that uh, that authenticity is coming through because it is something that we all believe in. Well, you're loved. You're um, always supported and we're here for you. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.